Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unconfirmed, the show that reveals how the marquee names in crypto are reacting to the week's top headlines and gets the inside scoop on what they see on the horizon. I'm your host, Laura Shin, a journalist with over two decades of experience. I started covering crypto five years ago and as a senior editor at Forbes, was the first mainstream media reporter to cover cryptocurrency full time. Unchained and Unconfirmed are now published as videos. If you're not yet subscribed to the Unchained YouTube channel, head to youtube.com slash C slash Unchained podcast and subscribe today. Crypto.com is waiving the 3.5% credit card fee for all crypto purchases. Download the Crypto.com app today. Join Hack Adam 5, a two-week Cosmos virtual hackathon to hack on inner blockchain communication and be amongst the winners of a $50,000 prize pool valued in Adam. Visit 5.hackadam.org. Today's guest is Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. Welcome, Frank. Laura, thanks so much for having me on. So great to be back. It's great to have you. Coinbase has been a major topic of discussion this week, not only in the crypto world, but also in the wider world of tech, business, and politics. Why don't you give us a recap of what happened? It's It's been a major reason for why I haven't gotten any sleep this week as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, just basically to recap, on Sunday, Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, released a blog outlining um, effectively his apolitical vision or anti-social activist vision for Coinbase as a firm, a very mission-driven sort of um, mission for uh, a very product-driven mission for the company, effectively. And so obviously that kind of set the crypto and tech world um, more broadly uh, aflame with different um, perspectives on whether or not that's sort of the right course of action for a company that's so public-facing like Coinbase to take, a company that could in many ways drive, um, you know, messages of social justice and, and Black Lives Matter to um, large audiences. Um, and so lots of debates around that, lots of coverage in mainstream and crypto media alike about, you know, what this means for Coinbase and, and from a, um, you know, company's perspective and, and from the perspective of whether or not it will result in, in folks leaving. And then on Tuesday, the night of the, the debate, um, literally right after the debate ended, um, I got an email from a source, uh, which was basically the email that Brian Armstrong sent out to employees saying, listen, if you are uncomfortable with this, with this new mission or the way that we sort of outline the mission, um, perfectly fine. We will um, give you a, a very generous, honestly, package, uh, severance package to then leave the company, which you have until next week to consider. Um, so that was Tuesday, Wednesday, obviously, you know, still this was in the, in the media being talked about on Twitter and definitely being talked about at Coinbase 
internally in, in various Slack channels. And then today they had an AMA discussing this and, and I put out, I'm in the process of putting out a report that's going to walk through this timeline, uh, an AMA addressing all of the stuff that's been going on this week. And then as you know, uh, some of the attention has been sucked away by quote unquote rival, not necessarily a rival, BitMEX getting slapped with charges from the Department of Justice. So that's been the week in a nutshell. That's been what we've seen in a nutshell. And it's been it's been interesting. It's it's but not necessarily unsurprising. So you mentioned social justice and Black Lives Matter. Were those the specific social and or political issues that employees at Coinbase wanted the company to take a stand on or, or you know, take action on? Or were there other issues? Because obviously with we've seen with Twitter and Facebook that there's also a lot of talk in the in the tech world about what companies' roles are in, um, you know, managing misinformation. And I know Coinbase isn't in the business of misinformation, but there is a lot of talk about how tech companies, what their actions can do in terms of our democracy. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk around this election, right? Like, let's, let's not forget that we are just a few, few weeks away from what what many would consider one of the most um, important elections of our generation, um, of, of many people's lifetimes, maybe. And so there is probably just a, just as there there is this this sentiment at many other companies of how do we, you know, take action? How do we provide employees with the right tools to go vote, to make their voices heard and to have an impact on on this decisive election? Wait, but um, so th- those were the issues at Coinbase or what were specifically the ones at I'm, Coinbase? I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised if that was sort of something that was underpinning this 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 blog that Brian felt like he needed to put out on Sunday. Now, rewinding the clock, and this is what my report gets at, this isn't, this isn't an isolated thing that happened on Sunday. And if you go and wind the clock back to this summer, okay, and this was hinted at in Brian's blog, but not explicitly talked about. Back in June, um, there was an AMA, and you know this um, from covering Coinbase through your own reporting, that they have these AMAs where employees can submit questions and ask company management, senior leadership about a myriad of things from, you know, personal preferences of, of ice cream. I don't know if that's ever been asked, but that could be an example to, to, you know, thoughts about company um, product launches to, you know, other personal and, and business questions alike. And so someone asked, um, according to several sources, a question about Brian's view on Black Lives Matter. Okay. And so that kind of resulted in him I wouldn't say re- rebuffing the question, but there one source described him as not necessarily being, uh, not necessarily knowing if the person was asking about Black Lives Matter, the movement or Black Lives Matter, the specific organization and kind of saying like, I'm not ready to talk about this. And so what that ended up resulting in was uh, a walkout in Brian's post. He describes there being new walkouts, plural, um, not necessarily sure if that's because obviously we're in this decentralized uh, work working situation where um, none of us are in offices. So people basically, you know, walk out, turn their computers off and signed off for the day. So that's been brewing since June, right? This question of whether or not Coinbase should take a, a definitive, um, uh, make a definitive statement in, in um, support of Black Lives Matter. And so that and next just day, to be clear, he did that tweet day, from his personal account. Yes. Oh, oh, that's so what you're that, going to say. Yeah. So that next day, as a result of sort of all of this, 
you know, all of this commotion, I guess, for lack of a better word. He then did go out and tweet that he definitively supports Black Lives Matter as a movement supporting the idea that, you know, um, black lives as a result of, of, of the state of African-Americans in this country need to sort of be recognized and, and uplifted um, to an extent. And then he had a pretty long th- tweet thread um, outlining that. And, and in that tweet thread as well, I think, I think I'm not 100 percent sure he mentioned the walkouts as well. So it's kind of been a long, at least from my understanding, a long um, thread. Also underpinning it, like aside from the issue specifically, like there's a question or or an interesting point to be made about Brian himself. And like, I'm sure you also can like speak to this given your your previous coverage. Uh, in 2014, there was a Bloomberg article that described him and Fred as um, these um, Vulcan bankers, right? Like, you know, very not the most gregarious characters that you'd come across and, and very serious. And like Brian, I was talking to a source about this, like basically an hour and a half ago. Um, Brian is someone who probably like wanted to build the most used, most important product in crypto, but not run the largest, most important company in crypto. And so I think that also undergirds this, this like situation where I'm sure Brian is like a a fairly nice guy. And like, I, I take, I'm sure, you know, his sympathy or concern about certain social justice issues could could be legitimate, but he like wants to build Coinbase. Like he wants to build this company. Um and so You know what's so funny about that? Yeah. I have a feeling I know which source said that to you. <laughs> but anyway, we can, we'll, we can, we'll we'll check about that later. We can check after the show, yeah. Um but yeah, so that's 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 basically where we're at with this. I've just been surprised and I'm sure, I don't know how surprised I am. I, no, I am surprised that it's gotten so much attention. Um, I think maybe because of the language of the blog and the language of the email. And apparently that's been another thing that's been discussed in, in the AMA today and just generally internally is, and, and this is probably not surprising, like, did we word this right? And, and, and that's obviously evident in the fact that they've changed some of the language in the post, right? So, Originally, there was a reference made, a kind of like strange reference, um, some would say, to Brianna Taylor, in which they sort of talk about like the events regarding, um, you know, recent events as opposed to like, you know, this this tragedy. Some would probably want more passionate language. And so there's been talks about whether or not the language in these two documents um, uh, were, were appropriate. Um, and I think it's not so much about what's going on maybe internally at Coinbase that that people are reacting to, but these two, you know, this, this blog post and then this email, right. Which are really kind of coldly written people might argue. Right. Um, and so that's what I'm sort of like been thinking about in these past few days. Yeah. So in a moment, we're going to talk more about the reaction to this, but first a quick word from the sponsors who make this show possible. How much in fees are you paying for crypto purchases? Now, Crypto.com is waiving the 3.5% credit card fee when you buy crypto. Apart from crypto purchases, you can also get a great deal on food and grocery shopping with Crypto.com. Get up to 10% back when you pay with their MCO Visa card. No card? Use the Crypto.com app to buy gift cards for up to 20% back. Download the Crypto.com app today and enjoy these offers until the end of September. Back to my conversation with Frank Chaparro. Yeah, I actually just want to 
call out maybe some of the quotes from the original post just to give people a sense. And, um, you know, as you kind of mentioned, some people maybe weren't surprised to hear these things from Brian. And, you know, for me, you know, I've been interviewing Brian himself, as well as people who work closely with Brian now for five years. And, yeah, I mean, I could practically hear hear him saying these things. Yeah, um, and, and, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but like, you, you can like if you've heard this guy speak, you you can totally see him saying this, in yeah, a non malicious way. Exactly. Like this, this was just one hundred percent the DNA of Brian. Um, you know, things like he talked about how Coinbase's mission was to build an open financial system for the world, and said. For instance, like, you know, some people interpreted the mission more broadly. And so now I'm quoting, to include all forms of equality and justice. It makes sense if you believe that economic freedom is not possible without equality for all people. Others interpreted the mission more narrowly, believing that we were trying to create infrastructure for the crypto economy and that, yes, this would create more equality of access for all people. But we weren't trying to solve all forms of inequality in the world. The narrower interpretation is how I intended the mission to be understood. And this is this is like. Brian, you know, from 2015 to 2016 to 2017 to 2018, 2019, and now to today, this is the same Brian. He says, quote, I don't think companies can succeed trying to do everything. Creating an open financial system for the world is already a hugely ambitious mission, and we could easily spend the next decade or two trying to move the needle on global economic freedom. He's very much the, like, I have a huge goal, and in order to you know, make that goal happen, accomplish that. I have to focus only on that. You know, he's famous for the headphones rule, only wearing the headphones in the office or wearing the headphones in the office. And then if you are wearing them, nobody can interrupt you, that kind of thing. Um, But let's talk a little bit about the reaction to this. Um, It was pretty divided. You know, I saw Paul Graham of Y Combinator tweet, Yet again, Brian Armstrong leads the way. I predict most successful companies will follow Coinbase's lead. On the other hand, Matthew Green, a cryptography professor at Johns Hopkins, tweeted, the Coinbase post genuinely makes it harder for me to recommend that uh, my students work there. And then the most interesting one actually came from Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, who tweeted, Bitcoin, aka crypto, is direct activism against an unverifiable and exclusionary financial system, which negatively affects so much of our society. Important to at least acknowledge and connect the related societal issues your customer face daily. This leaves people behind. And then he linked to the blog post. Mm-hmm. So I wondered, what did you make of, of the reaction? I think it makes sense in light of the fact that a lot of people who probably vaguely know of Coinbase don't really know that much about Brian, right? And so they don't have that that context of 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 his sort of demeanor and the way that he kind of views um, his role within the company and the crypto ecosystem more broadly. Like it's, it's not even that like Brian um, is disinterested in, in, you know, issues of social justice. Like he is not someone who is even going out and talking about some of these more crypto native topics on a regular basis. Like someone like, you know, I don't know, maybe Mike Novogratz for instance, right? Like he rarely does interviews. He rarely is sort of speaking at, conferences and panels. And so to, to sort of like, um, you know, which is maybe dissimilar from a lot of other like executives, right. Who, who kind of come out and say these things. So that kind of, kind of made sense, um, or kind of what, what I was thinking. And I, I guess like a lot of it, I thought was just fueled by just this broader sort of political discourse of, of, of the election coming on the horizon and this, this broader, 
push among many different companies. And I think I shared you this DM this morning, you know, ESG has gripped markets and, and many companies and across finance. just remind people what ESG is. Yeah. So we're talking about like these um, environmental um, sustainability governance goals that um, are becoming increasingly more important, not just to um, investors, but to, to, to broader um, financial services companies. You know, they, they, it's not just about like, okay, you're not a tobacco company anymore. Um, it's not just about like, are you a tobacco company? Are you a gambling company? Are you, you know, what they call a sin company? Like you need to start like hitting the bar even higher and like passing. There was an article in the FT this morning that talked about like passing these positivity tests. Like you need to be actively doing things. And so there's this dichotomy in the world. Uh, and, and it's, I, I see it in my DMs and in my mentions of, you know, is being apolitical good or is it bad? And so a lot of the tech world has has kind of moved towards the direction of being a being just like inactive politically is is sort of political in of itself and, and bad. And you have a similar sentiment on Wall Street where this idea of if you're not like contributing to the greater good and what the greater good is, you know, the definition is a little flimsy. It's not something that, um, you know, many people would say is objective, right? And so um, that's kind of at the heart of, of this controversy as well is, well, you know, why aren't you taking a stand? Why aren't you being political? Whereas other people are saying this is exactly right. You know, some people, um, I, I tweeted this the other day. Um, I've never, uh, it was um, in the midst of, of all of this, so many people were giddy that Brian had did this and sort of set the line and set a tone for, for future founders and CEOs to kind of just like say, hey, like I care about building. I care about creating a, a strong business. And, and let's, not, let's not forget that they potentially have an IPO on the horizon. So meaning they have a financial incentive to not take a stand. Is that what you're saying? Meaning that they have a financial incentive to like focus on like building product and not like being concerned about um, what what Brian might might deem peripheral issues um, because, you know, you got to hit revenues and you got to hit uh, the expectations of the street. Right. Um, so that might that might be playing into it as well. Um, so let's now talk about the offer of the exit packages for people who aren't comfortable with this apolitical stance. It, and as you mentioned, it's really generous. Four months of severance for employees with less than three years tenure, six months for those who have been there more than three years, six months of COBRA, and a seven-year option exercise window. Why do you think they decided to go with something so generous and, and also to offer this in the first place? This is totally my speculation. I don't, I, I actually haven't like talked to people inside of Coinbase about this, but there is a gentleman that they hired. Um, so LJ Brock is the chief people officer at Coinbase. He was at Citadel Securities, Citadel, um, the, the affiliated firm of Citadel, the hedge fund, or maybe he was at the hedge fund. In any case, Citadel, who is, you know, obviously that's a firm uh, uh, that, that's sort of run by Ken Griffins and, you know, the billionaire hedge fund um, Chicago guy. Citadel has a strong history, um, a well-known history on the street of just having high turnover, right? And sort of like being a sort of like, you're either in it to win it at Citadel. If you're not, then sayonara, you know, you, you don't need to be here. And so I, I wouldn't be surprised if like a lot of this memo was influenced by 
LJ Brock and and this maybe Citadel like mindset. But that is total speculation. Um, historically, Coinbase, to be fair, has had great benefits. You know, very high salaries, very impressive benefit like fertility benefits um, for 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 women at the firm. So maybe it's a mix of that. Um, but certainly, like everyone I talked to and everyone commenting on Twitter, right? They saw this and and didn't believe it. We didn't believe it either at the block. When we first got this anonymously, we were like, there's no way that they're just going to be giving away money to people when in fact they, they, uh, they clearly are. Yeah. Well, it's probably one of those calculations where, um, they feel that they'll get, uh, that, that it's worth, it's worth it to spend the money to, to get a team that is 100% aligned on their mission. Um, and do you have a sense of how many people will be taking the severance package? No, that's a good question. Um, I have a sense of like, like I said earlier, um, of how many people will probably be leaving. I imagine. I, I don't know if like everyone. The, here's the here's the. the well, actually, you said that to me privately. So can you just say it for the show? Oh, that's right. So like, it's it's not clear like the 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 parameters around which people will accept these packages. So you know whether or not they'll have to sign an NDA or et cetera. So. My sense of the number of people leaving is around, you know, maybe one to two dozen, maybe maybe upwards to like 50 people is my sense. And then of of those people, those that will sort of take this package, which could include things maybe not delineated in the email, right? Because it's like, hey, we'll talk about this through right, HR, HR etc. Yeah. So um, that that remains to be seen the exact number who will take this package. But I would expect personally – my sources described a lower number, but I think probably more than 50 would leave. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And um, there also was an all hands today, the day that we're recording, which is Thursday. Do you have a sense of what happened or what people at least plan to say if, if you don't know what actually happened? There were a few different, um, I mean, obviously it was, it was basically to discuss some of the controversy in the, um, that one Slack channel that I was talking about, just the sort of um, the, the vitriol and high emotions and contentious sort of discourse that was taking place and just about like the general reaction to um, the blog post that went out and like the sort of way that the way in which Coinbase has communicated these points have all been up for discussion during this AMA. Some people described it in many different ways. Like I, it's it's been interesting to sort of like kind of con condense what I've been hearing. You know, there are some real gritty like Wall Street types at the firm, obviously, who like just are so kind of, let's just get through this. Like, why, why is it so emotional? Some people have described it as boring. Some people have described it as completely chaotic, right? It's, it really depends on your vantage point. Um, mm. But it's certainly uh, interesting. Okay. All right. So let's also now just cover the other huge news yeah, this week very quickly. Because I saw that you tweeted about... Um, you know, the BitMEX news about how the owners have been charged by the CFTC and DOJ with running an illegal crypto derivatives exchange and for um, allowing money laundering on their platform. And you tweeted that you had just spoken on the phone with CEO and co-founder Arthur Hayes last night. What did you guys talk about? And did he seem to have any awareness this was coming? It's a really good question. I mean, like, like I said, before we turned the mics on, I was, you know, finishing up a long day. And, and obviously, it's morning time in Hong Kong when it's nighttime here in New York. Um, and so it was a run of the mill, um, you know, prep call for a podcast, you know, I'm sure you've done a few of those. 
Um, he was supposed to come on tonight in th- three hours time. And I will say in hindsight, um, you know, n- not to say that Arthur wasn't his usual funny self. He was gregarious. He was, um, you know, charming, but his answers were shorter than any interview that I've seen him do. Like kind of just like to the point, the, um, his communication representatives were all there and like, we were just trying to get a sense of like some of the things we, we would talk about on a show. And, you know, my, my thinking was, well, let me like ask you some questions to like, see how you would answer them. So then like, you know, just like when we came on before, you kind of asked me about my report so I could get a, so you could get a sense of like, maybe um, how to better frame your, your questions. And so that was like kind of the idea. And he was basically normal, but in, you know, he was, he was his usual self to, aside from maybe the fact that his question seemed a little like um, the opposite of me, I can ramble on and on all day. Um, just very, maybe a little bit shorter than, than normally, but mm. that could have just been because he finished a 60 mile bike ride. <laughs> you know, he, that's the, I asked him, you know, what were you doing before this? And he goes, I oh, just finished up 60 miles of uh, uh, biking. And so, you know, classic Arthur, uh, you know, response. Right. And I'm just like, okay, I'm like literally laying in bed, um, uh, in my pajamas. Um, but you know, fair enough. Yeah. Um, that is sort of a we, classic. We talked about, um, you know, we talked about a lot of the recent developments, obviously BitMEX has been, you know, in the headlines more, um, they've almost become sleepy, frankly, like in the past, aside from like after the 2019 CFTC, uh, uh, uh Bloomberg article rather that broke that the CFTC was investigating them. Like, you know, they have, you know, they're not like FTX, right? They're not like Binance where they're launching all these products and, you know, making crypto Coindesk the block headlines every day. They're kind of just like, oh, I remember BitMEX from 2017 and from the Lambos parked out of consensus. Um, and then they rolled out KYC, right? And so they've been trying to button themselves up from everything I can tell. I don't know if you've engaged with them in the past like six months, but they work with Edelman now and and like, you know, are very much trying to communicate in a more, I don't know if refine's the best word, but kind of like really solidify this message. And they've re, um, they, they, sh- they kind of did a restructuring of the parent company. So um, the original question you asked was whether or not he's, if, if Arthur seemed like he had a sense of what was coming. Yes, maybe, but just looking more at a high level, like, you have seen the firm kind of like taking these different steps that maybe indicate that or or do indicate that something like this was coming. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Looking back at it, you know, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I sort of had a feeling like, because why would they start doing all these things after they've been in existence for six years, you know? Yeah. So anyway, well, we will see what happens. I'm sure we will there's- see. Yeah, a lot more to to discuss on that, um, but we'll do it another time. Well, maybe when, maybe when um, if if Arthur gets back on whether or not he'll do, he was supposed to come on the podcast tonight. We can have you on, and we could do like a co <laughs> a co thing. Really, and we can we can talk about Yogi. <laughs> <laughs> um, for listeners, uh, I was just telling them that um, Arthur and I both are really into yoga, and so <laughs> so uh, that makes him quite similar to a lot of people in my normal real life, like my real life friends. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, okay. Well, this has been hugely informative. Um, Thank you so much for doing this. And yes, I would love to talk with you and Arthur. That would be great. Um, So thanks so much for coming on Unconfirmed. 
Thanks so much, Laura. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Don't forget, next up is the weekly news recap. Stick around for This Week in Crypto after this short break. Interblockchain Communication will be launching on Cosmos soon. Join Hack Adam 5, the two-week Cosmos virtual hackathon, where you can play with interblockchain communication before it is launched and be amongst the winners of a $50,000 prize pool valued in Atom. Hack Adam 5, coming soon to a dev post near you this October. Visit 5.hackadam.org. That's F-I-V-E dot H-A-C-K-A-T-O-M dot O-R-G. Thanks for tuning in to this week's News Recap. First headline, U.S. regulators file criminal charges against BitMEX owners. On Thursday, the Department of Justice charged BitMEX, one of the biggest crypto derivatives exchanges, with two Bank Secrecy Act violations, each of which can carry a maximum penalty of five years in prison. The Commodities Futures Trading Commission also filed charges against BitMEX for allegedly illegally operating a cryptocurrency derivatives exchange and violating anti-money laundering regulations. Co-founders and Co-founder and CTO Samuel Reed was arrested in Massachusetts, while the other two co-founders, CEO Arthur Hayes and former Chief Strategy Officer Benjamin, Benjamin Delo, as well as former Head of Business Development Gregory Dwyer, are all at large. The DOJ indictment said Hayes, quote, bragged in or about July 2019 that the Seychelles was a more friendly jurisdiction for BitMEX because it costs less to bribe Seychelles law authorities, just, quote, a coconut, than it would cost to bribe regulators in the United States and elsewhere. The indictment claims that BitMEX did not monitor its transactions for money laundering or sanctions violations and did not file any suspicious activity reports to the government from its launch in November 2014 until September 2020. It also alleges that until August 2020, customers could register to trade anonymously, providing only a verified email address, and that the exchange encouraged or allowed U.S. customers to access the site and trade on it. It also claims that BitMEX allowed customers located in, in Iran to trade on the platform in violation of U.S. sanctions. The indictment also says that in May 2018, Hayes was notified that BitMEX was being used to launder coins obtained via a cryptocurrency hack, but that Hayes and BitMEX did not implement an anti-money laundering policy in response. HDR Global, the parent company of BitMEX, and one of the defendants in the CFTC lawsuit released a statement saying, quote, We strongly disagree with the U.S. government's heavy-handed decision to bring these charges and intend to defend the allegations vigorously. From our early days as a startup, we have always sought to comply with applicable U.S. laws as those laws were understood at the time and based on available guidance. Next headline, third largest exchange hack, $280 million stolen from Qcoin. In the third largest exchange hack in crypto history, $280 million worth of crypto assets were stolen from the hot wallets of Singapore-based exchange Qcoin. The assets stolen include Bitcoin, Bitcoin Satoshi Vision, Ether, Litecoin, Ripple, Stellar Lumens, Tron, Tether, Chainlink, Ocean, and others. The exchange maintains that its insurance fund will cover all losses, and so far $130 million of the hacker's loot has been frozen by various crypto projects. Many of the stolen coins were ERC-20 tokens, and project admins have paused contracts, deployed new ones, or blocked the hacker's address to help recover coins such as Velo, Tether, Orion, Cardia Chain, Ampleforth, and others. 
However, these actions have raised questions about decentralization. Meanwhile, the Qcoin hack has highlighted the use of DEXs for money laundering, with the hacker liquidating tokens such as Ocean, SNX, Comp, Link, and DIA on Uniswap and Kyber to convert them to ETH. In Coindesk, CypherTrace CEO Dave Jevons said, quote, These platforms can be used as effectively the next generation of money laundering mixing services. If I can put my stuff into a DeFi contract, it gets mixed up with other people's money when it comes back out. Because there's no tracing and there's no KYC, it effectively is operating as an old-school crypto money laundering service. Disclosure, CypherTrace has been a sponsor of my shows. Next headline. $15 million emptied from YFI Creator's latest experiment. On Monday, ambiguous retweets by Yearn creator Andre Kronia of the Eminence Finance Twitter account caused investors to pour $15 million into Eminence which was a card gaming protocol, to farm the EMN token. Never mind that there was little information on it. The entire $15 million in eminence was soon drained by a hacker who, according to Kronia, used, quote, a very simple method, which was to, quote, mine a lot of EMN at the tight curve, burn the EMN for one of the other currencies, then sell the currency for EMN. However, The hacker then returned the $8 million. The incident appears to be, quote, the first significant crypto economic hack, which was posted on Twitter by Claro CTO Clement Lesage, who explained, quote, contrary to most of the hacks, the smart contracts were not broken. They worked exactly as intended, but the economics were. Kronia was criticized for teasing an unfinished protocol but he defended himself, saying that he intends to continue deploying test contracts. He warned potential investors not to use random contracts he has deployed unless he's made an official announcement via his Medium account. He said, quote, the contracts I deployed yesterday were purely for myself to engage with. Next headline. Inside the entitled Lawless World of Tron's Justin Sun. A meticulously reported Verge article on events at BitTorrent after Tron's $140 million purchase of the peer-to-peer software gives us a close look at the controversial crypto figure, Justin Sun. Soon after the acquisition, it reports, the company's business strategy became, quote, copy Ethereum and, quote, get the pump on the coin, which meant to make Tron look good and get people to purchase the token. And that was just the beginning. Sun often acted like a spoiled brat, for instance, demanding to know who hired a driver who accidentally locked him in a car with a child safety lock on, or castigating the executive assistant who scheduled a doctor's appointment with him at the doctor's office, rather than having the doctor come to him. At a company Q&A, when an employee submitted a question asking what would happen if TRX, the Tron token, went to zero, Sun said, quote, whoever asked this question, we're going to track them down. And then he threatened to, quote, kill their entire family. Additionally, an employee witnessed an altercation in which it appeared that Sun hit another staff member. On top of all that, Sun did little to control the app store on the Tron network, leaving it open to all manner of scammers. And he was similarly laid back about pirated movies on a BitTorrent product, as well as about harassment on the company's live streaming platform. This article is a riveting read. I urge you all to check it out. Next headline. Is DeFi corrupt? A look at the few token scandal. 
Last Thursday, pseudonymous writer Crypto Angel posted a lengthy screed detailing the events of the FEW token, a yield farming coin that was accused of being an insider's pump and dump scheme. To highlight what Crypto Angel viewed as the, quote, unspoken agreement between DeFi insiders and the bad actors they protect. The FEW token began with a gathering of 50 crypto influencers who then hyped the project so that within minutes of the token launching, hundreds of people had already flooded its Telegram group, asking for an airdrop. Crypto Angel says, quote, this was obviously a pump and dump campaign. The post includes screenshots of people commenting that the project, quote, should really build a product, not just buy a domain and mint a token. The article is a damning examination of a space in which Crypto Angel says, quote, the way to win these token games was to make friends with the right people. Next up is an SEC roundup. The SEC has continued to enforce securities regulations with the same interpretations of the Howey test that it's been following. And it's also getting judges to back its stance. The first of these stories is Judge Rules Kicks Kin Token Violated Securities Law. A judge for the Southern District of New York agreed that Kick's offering of Kin was an unregistered securities offering. Kick has said it may appeal. Next, Salt Lending ordered to refund $47 million in ICO funds. The SEC and Salt Lending, which held an ICO in 2017, have settled, and Salt will have 14 days to announce its intention to refund investors. It will also register the Salt token as a security and pay a $250,000 penalty. Next, SEC issues no action letter for compliance-focused digital security exchanges. The SEC said it will not take action against exchanges that trade tokenized securities. Finally, it's time for fun bits. In a first, Ethereum fees eclipse block rewards. Larry Cermak of the block tweeted that for the first time in Ethereum's history, transaction fees have surpassed the amount that miners make from block rewards. The second graph that he tweeted in particular shows an astounding trajectory for transaction fees over the past five months in a trend that Cermak posits is far from sustainable. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about Frank and Coinbase's new policy, be sure to check out the links in the show notes of this episode. If you're a fan of Unconfirmed and want to help get the word out about the show, please rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Unconfirmed is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Anthony Yoon, Daniel Ness, Bossy Baker, and the team at CLK Transcription. Thanks for listening.